Welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast, uh, now known as the MMCast, previously the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? Was that a, like a reload situation? I don't even really know what it was. It was like a... That's kind of what it was. Okay, not finger guns. It was like... Okay. And today we have a special guest, uh, Dan Sheehan. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the, the cast. Uh, you, you, you hail from the Commander Sphere, uh, which you have new episodes every Monday, and you have a Patreon and Twitter, command, at Commander Sphere, um, and then you are at It's Dan Sheehan, or at Sick Wolves, and then Rachel is at Rachel Reeks. I did all of that correctly. Yeah. All of that will be linked below. <laughs> If you go to Command Sphere, it's all it's all there. Perfect. Um, but yeah, we're out every every Monday. We've got a new episode. So so really briefly, tell us about kind of uh, the Commander Sphere, just for our listeners who may may or not may know. Yeah, of course. Um, so the show, me and Rachel Weeks started the show uh, just over a year ago. We started in like December of 2019. Uh, I had played Magic a ton growing up, uh, and then kind of stopped from around like 2008 until around like 2018 2019 uh, and then Rachel got me back in via playing commander um and so I like immediately dove into commander from the perspective of somebody who uh you know it it's definitely like more of a casual fun thing for me like that's what appealed to me about it was just like the social aspect that it's like a, a version of magic where you're just kind of hanging out you're just shooting the breeze with friends, having a good time. Uh, you get to use cards from 10, 15 years ago. That was a huge appeal for me. And so all those aspects of the game, we found that there wasn't like a lot of people talking about just pure casual commander. There's a lot of like, you know, talk about competitive commander. There's a lot of talk about different power levels, but like that, that lower end of just like purely in it for the fun of the game. Like we wanted to have a podcast that kind of embodied like that philosophy and we've really we've been trying to articulate it over the last year and i feel like this lasagna tier thing we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks has kind of been our best articulation of the play style yet um so basically the podcast is for anybody who just likes playing commander and likes playing it uh in a way that's less focused on optimization and more focused on just having a good time with pals it's equal parts goofs and uh, insight and you're you're not going to find a lot of like ruthlessly optimized deck text but you will find you know a whole episode about which creatures from magic we would eat if we could i've had that conversation with more people than it's probably comfortable <laughs> Everyone thought about it. <laughs> awesome and so yeah so so for for our listeners what we're kind of talking about today is commander power level rankings to an extent specifically they've come out with this kind of lasagna tier idea as well as kind of where some of the cdh community guys have come towards it where it's more on i'm gonna i'm gonna actually look it up the name now and not uh just read out what i'm talking about it's Formula X1 EDH is what they're calling it. Um, so it's kind of different spectrums of this version of like, mm. you know, not necessarily playing magic to win, but like rankings on entertainment value is almost uh, what it kind of feels like. And so so we wanted to get into that and, and get on the conversation, especially since I've been getting Ben into Commander basically since August um, in a pretty, pretty significant way. Uh, from someone who like, absolutely refused to play it for years and uh, where we found kind of a home and where we're having the most fun. So so it's definitely uh, what we wanted to talk about today. Um, before we jump too, too far into it, uh, two things. First, uh, we're going to do a little game of 
seeing which cards from the new set we're all most excited by. Also, big first, uh, just shout out to our Patreon. Uh, so thank you all to all of our patrons. Uh, one one thing that we do want to bring up is for the last kind of like two months before the break, uh, we were doing daily content on the YouTube channel that was like broken into five episodes. Uh, it ends up that's like a really kind of intense thing to do and, and is expensive. And right now, based on how much we're making on Patreon, uh, we don't quite make enough to kind of keep that as a sustainable thing. So once in a while, we might be able to do it. But uh, if you want us to do it more, if you liked that type of uh, kind of content release, we're breaking this up in video form please check our patron out if you can uh, donate any amount of money it really really helps make that possible we'll put on there a nice little tier list of like once we hit this a dollar amount which i don't know what it is off the top of my head we'll start doing that again so if you if you can check that out we really really appreciate it um we thought it was a really cool way of doing content and, and i know a lot of people appreciate it so check out patreon.com slash the mmcast uh to help us make that happen and then also starting uh this week the video version of this episode the, vid- the raw feed which had previously been all audio which is like the full episode no edits uh plus about 10 to 15 minutes of extra content every episode at the beginning about uh not necessarily magic stuff but only for patrons is now going to be video as well so it's not just going to be um it won't just be the audio only format we're doing video as well so please check that out check out the patron it's really 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 cool and we are appreciative of all of you and last uh thank you uh thank you wizards i got a box it was cool it looked like a speaker it's right there uh, inside came this really dope Caldheim shirt, and I have a Caldheim concert badge that I'm wearing because I'm backstage at Caldheim. Uh, this set's really cool, and we're really hyped, and I am extremely appreciative. Ben also, I believe, may secretly have a box that looks about the exact same size and from the exact same forwarding address. So uh, when he eventually is willing to sneak over to our office where uh it's covid safe he's gonna pick it up and he will also maybe wear the shirt of the future but thank you so much it's really dope uh and was really really cool now on to uh cal time before we jump into everything else because that is what is being released at the moment dan what Alive. let's we want to hear which three cards you're most excited by ranked probably third to first uh from the set since we're in the middle of preview okay. season let's 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 find out so my my third at this point with the previews i've seen uh it's it's a cycle it's these uh the common snow duels that they're putting out there so there's one for each pairing they're just they come into play tapped they're snow duel lands uh i think as a commander player these offer a great opportunity not just for what they are because obviously like we've seen you know like duels that come into play tapped we have gates and things like that um but just more of these things at common gives people uh, some easy wiggle room with like access to a better budget land base. Uh, and then also if you're in like a small play group, that's okay with proxies. These are very easy proxies uh, for any dual land. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I am I'm, I'm also really excited. I think a popper wise, right. And either popper commander or popper magic, like having fetchable dual lands or far seekable dual lands is like actually a big deal. <laughs> B anytime there's a dual land that is objectively decent in enemy colors. I like am always excited. Like there's definitely man, like my red, white mana base for, for my red, white commander decks. I'm more just like, I literally have to just play every fetch and I have to play as many of these. And some of them I'm playing like guild gates, right? Cause it's like, there's not enough dual lands to make sure you are able to do two red, two red on turn two and two, three white on turn three without a lot of effort. And so, um, I'm always excited for something that's fetchable or, or usable in that way. So that's really cool. And then, as a person who has played a lot of Valakut in my life, having more forest having mountains more are good. That have mountains on them. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Well, every time they print one of these, every time they print one of these, that's a searchable duel like this. We all think, you yeah. know, similar things, and that is one of them, especially in singleton formats too, because like 
you know, in, in Highlander, we've talked about this before, like we all have the Valakut deck. We all have like that deck with Scapeshift. So, and it's a pain. That That's a hard mana base to build. So having, you know, every time they print another one of these, that's it's sweet mm-hmm. that, uh, that you get access to more of it. Um, I agree too, yeah. though, that having searchable at, at common is a good thing because all of the ones that have been printed to this point, even if they are like the cheap duels, like by they're still rares, they're still rares that you have to get. Mm-hmm. You know, you open one box, of this you'll have one of every single one of these without. Yeah, without them that. being fetchable, I think is the is the biggest coolest part of of them being printed at common. It's just a it's a it's a nice move in a world where it feels like things are kind of like creeping up value wise. That having these be so accessible is going to be really cool for a lot of players. I in think different I formats. think check lands are also like one of the cheapest, most reprinted good dual lands, right? Like, and those are best accompanying shock lands or lands that have dual land types because then they enter the battlefield untapped. But you have kind of perfectly fixed mana, and these offer for budget purposes that gameplay for everyone. Yeah. So number two. Kaldheim uh, is doing so much uh, like fun stuff with cards that all of these sort of feel like cheating by picking one card. Um, but one of the modal god uh, cards is uh, with Tybalt and uh, Valky, God of Lies. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun commander build. So for anybody at home, Valky, God of Lies is a two to cast, two one god. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card they revealed this way until Valky leaves the battlefield. Tap X, choose a creature card, exile with Valky with converted mana cost X, and Valky becomes a copy of that card. Uh, and then the reverse side is Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, five, and then Black Red. Uh, enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with you may play cards exiled with Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, uh, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. His plus two is exile the top card of each player's library. His minus three is exile target artifact or creature. And then his minus eight is exile all cards from all graveyards. Add three red. This is just super fun. And the fact that it can sit in the command zone and be Rakdos and not have to like choose one or the other is, is really neat. And I just, I love the build for either, particularly Valky. Like Tybalt's, you know, obviously a cool bonus, but having such a versatile commander and not being stuck in mono black with him i think uh just leaves like a lot of fun potential for building around this guy i'm i'm very excited to see um i'm waiting for more of this that to see what sort of support there is but i think he's he's one of the ones that i might focus on building yeah he from a commander perspective it gives something cool to red white which is like a red white control deck almost that like has like a front end disruption piece that in the back end is like a great card advantage antigen uh like not spoilery information for our eventual top 10 Kaldheim cards for modern countdown episode we'll be doing in the next three or so weeks. This card, it's there. Are, uh, the rest of the set's going to have to work really hard to beat this card is my number one pick. Card's the fact that really you can good, yeah. Bloodbraid Elf into it and get the backside is insane. That's crazy. And is just and and like the front side is a modern playable card. Kitesell Freebooter is a modern staple. This is a two one that doesn't fly, but then also draws you a card. I would already have been considered playing this card in decks like Jund, regardless of the fact that now also I get to Bloodbraid Elf into a seven drop Planeswalker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think it's really sweet. I mean, I think this is one of the coolest cards for sure. I think that front side being so good. So that's how these work. That if you flip this off of a Cascade card, you can get the backside. So it's it doesn't have the like the split card effect with those. It's it's mm-hmm. that's wow. what I've heard. Yeah, but that that's from Which I believe true. Matt Tabak. So it's like from the rules, or it was from someone on the rules committee in Wizard. So it's not it's not a or they're not a committee. The 
the guy in charge of the rules at Wizards. <laughs> uh, so wow. it's confirmed works with Cascade the way that I uh, am very excited to do in Modern. Sick. Um, and then, yeah, as a commander, I like all of the gods. I love non-creatures in the command zone. Just yeah. at, at a base level. Uh, it's one of the reasons even like Oathbreaker has appealed to me. The only reason I wouldn't build the white, uh, the equipment, the like sword that this whole story is based around is because it's just too similar to other decks I already have, which is like cards in play into my graveyard, back into play, back into my graveyard, back into play. I have like maybe six different decks that I'll do that. And that deck would also just do that. So that might be problematic. But otherwise, I like having an equipment in the command zone sounds really, really, really cool. So I'm I'm super hyped. Yeah, I like looking deeper at like what a commander can be. I like having it's the same way that when Commander Legends came out, I was very excited to get to play with new partners for the first time in forever. Just like the more variance they give the format, the better because it just it, it commander's all about customization. It's all about putting a little bit of yourself into your deck and giving people more ways in which to do that i think is is only a good thing absolutely a lot of people are scared of it i think it's gonna be great this is the stuff that them playing around with they don't think is gonna damage the like companion different conversation right that that obvious and in commander it actually ended up not being that big of a deal in every other format is where (laughs) it really broke magic but um i like i've loved companion since it came out my biggest complaint was always like some of the companion options are boring and like (laughs) i don't like uh the idris Siddiqui or whatever is just like a five seven drop life gain big toughness matters card that i'm never going to play but now i have like mm-hmm. tons of options across the board that you get to play with that 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 i think is like mixing and matching decks is really really cool and lets you customize it even more i mean the reason i like magic is because it's a it is one of the few games in the world at least in the first tcg which all kind of do this that lets you customize the board game you're playing with to your own style and invent something so the fact that companion lets you invent a commander is so cool number one card you're currently that has been previewed as of tuesday the 12th my my number one right now has got to be a maskwood nexus so maskwood nexus is a four to cast artifact uh, creatures you control are every creature type the oh, same right. is true yeah. for creatures you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield tap three tap it create a two two blue shapeshifter creature token with changeling this is a little selfish because i play a lot of tribal commanders and also because I have an Atog deck, uh, I have an Atog Atog <laughs> commander deck that I have been trying to resurrect. It was one of the first decks I built, and then once I like got better at the game, it just didn't scale with like the level I was playing at with my friends. So I kind of ended up taking it apart, uh, and I feel like some of the like uh, I'm forgetting the name of the effect, but the effects that make all creatures into every type or you know one uniform type, yeah. Um, yeah the appearance of those effects within call time is really exciting for me. And this card in particular, uh, the idea of just being able to make everything into an atog to be able to make a bunch of, you know, little shapeshifters that I can feed to my commander uh, just opens up a lot of possibility. Uh, and in general, I just really like, uh, I really like changelingy flavored uh, stuff. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I it, like, it was interesting because I am building, Purely because I dressed up in the David S. Pumpkins costume for ha- uh, as one of the costumes I wore this past Halloween, which was there were 30 of them. But eventually someone informed me that me and Gavin needed to battle each other. Him playing a banana costume based commander being Tassiger and then me having to play a pumpkin one, which is uh, Reaper King. And so and so like I've been like picking up Reaper King cards. So I picked up every one of the other ones that are like all creatures are all creature types because then Reaper King goes crazy. And then this card was printed. I was like, OK, finally, I'm getting all the cards I need because I, I like I think I have like 30 cards and I just don't 
don't know what else to put in there. And so it's not enough to make a deck. So it's like a pile of a half-built deck that's just been in a box yeah. under my desk for three, two months. Standardize is the card I had been thinking of earlier that has the effect that makes everything into the same creature type. Yeah, and there's and there's there's a handful. Conspiracy was an old one from back in Mercury yeah, Masks, yeah. and then got reprinted and time shifted. And then you have some of the other ones like there's the there was that one. artifact. Yeah, and there was an artifact equipment. There's Misform Ultimus. There's there's a bunch of ones that do like similar things to this but this is a really powerful version of it i agree it's it's definitely exciting and it and it you know means a lot to decks that want to do some weird shenanigans in a way that uh they need an extra like an extra card to help them get there well and also just it lets you like take advantage of weird commanders that like have one ability that's useful and then like a lord ability that like right. is, has been irrelevant or just is like to- medium and now you get to like take advantage of both halves um yeah also exactly. you go randomly infinite with cards it's also nice to just see like they've been doing so much like interesting new stuff like i'm a big omnath apologist i love omnath but it's also because i'm an edh player more so than a, a standard player <laughs> oh because yeah, omnath um, is fine outside of standard and maybe yeah that, well, that was our take on the show was that if he had been the face commander for the zendikar commander deck so much pain within the community would have been avoided because um, he would have just been like a really wild commander and that would have been it um, but then I love that some of that same design, uh, some of those big swings are are making their way into more like out there casual cards like this. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's some pretty busted stuff you can do with this as well. But even casual players will be able to get something out of it. Yeah, cards really sweet. Yep, I'm really, really hyped. All right. So far at this point, the three cards he's most excited by from the set. Uh, and now we're going to talk about some uh, lasagna, which I don't know. And I don't even know if we could play it because I think we'd like terms of service. But there is a how to make lasagna song that basically since this started blow- re-blowing up three weeks ago on Twitter has been stuck in my head. I'll link it below or definitely find me on Twitter because I'll share it again if you if you at me it's it's literally a rap song that goes step by step through the process of how to make lasagna can I ask really quickly why it's called lasagna lasagna tier EDH I have it I have a thing there's an infographic uh, is a guiding philosophy that places a mutually enjoyable experience above any player's victory playing at lasagna tier means playing collaboratively rather than competitively potentially sacrificing a win if it permits a better more memorable game like any lasagna the goal is to make dinner better for everyone because no one should have to eat a whole lasagna alone. The Commander Sphere. Why is it called the lasagna tier? That is what I want to know. I would, I would so like one of our do. very first episodes was, um, predictably, the, the Commander online community was very bad about power level. Uh, it was just one of the many times that people have gotten uh, into arguments about like the way we rate power, the way we rule zero our decks, the way we figure out like what type of magic everybody's trying to play. And so me and Rachel were recording that night and I said, what if we just like recorded our own tier list, like a new tier list for commander? And what if it was basically nonsense? Uh, and so the two of us sat down and built out this tier list, which just rattling off a few from memory. Uh, I mean, the lowest tier on this tier list was literally just objects. It was like a tier nine commander deck is just like a potato. That would be a tier nine deck. So like any object that's not actually a hundred cards is a tier nine commander deck. So it's like okay. bicycles, cars. Uh, and so eventually through that, that list of tiers, the uh, third one, I believe third or fourth was lasagna tier, which was just a recipe for a lasagna. And people just really seem to resonate with the idea of it. Like people, it started to be something that with our patrons and our friends and anyone who listens to the show, uh, lasagna kind of 
became like a shorthand term for the type of magic that our podcast like really likes to, uh, you know, as the, the type of magic that we like to play and just like our whole general gameplay philosophy. Uh, and so over like the last year or so, it's it's kind of become this bigger thing than it was originally planned to be. And so we decided to kind of uh, legitimize it and like put our philosophy out into the world as lasagna. Um, and so that's that's where the name came from. Because let your memes become dreams. <laughs> exactly. And so kind of as a concept and as like a like a power level, I feel like it's taken off a little bit recently because people are acknowledging that this is a particular way to play commander uh, that is, that appeals to a certain type of player, which I think is why Alex and I were so interested in talking about it on the show tonight, because yeah, today, so, so, go- so something that happened like two and three or four weeks or something within the time of the universe that no longer it's a flat circle uh, that happened is that like there was a, a part of the community that really started picking it up. And I think part of it at that point was also because lasagna on your ranking was like where a nine would be or where an eight would be in, in some aspect of the word because it was all kind of just made up at that point. Yeah, it was like our second or third highest tier. And and so they were like, oh, this is great. This is the CDH community, but we want to play fun cards and, and a bottom level. And so they started running with it. And I think that at that point, there was kind of a, a realization that what lasagna meant originally was slightly different from that concept. Um, but then because of that, now both concepts have kind of grown into honestly kind of ranking power level less on necessarily like value of deck or how many tutors you're running or it's more about what are your goals and type of fun you're having and while you're playing and and what does that look like and i think that's what's been really interesting from a discourse perspective on on that conversation because as you've said literally power level ranking on magic decks is one of the like cliche oh it's it's november i guess we're talking about this again (laughs) every year um and this kind of takes that a little bit out of that as as a bucket. So um, I think from what Ben is is thinking of is, is in some ways what now has become that kind of Formula One racing joke that the other group has kind of started talking about versus lasagna is that there's there's fun in playing really powerful things or there's fun in playing with cards you love that are good, but it, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be tuning them to be comboing off after tooting for six cards, after wiping everyone's hand, and then winning with a demonic consultation to a Thassa's Oracle. That's like not a world that most people want to play in. That doesn't mean if I'm playing with fetch lands, my deck is going to be better than yours because I have fetch land decks that are terrible. Looking at you, Nin the Pain Artist. Like for the I longest think, time, go ahead. I, I've had a mana crypt for a long time, and this was before the reprints, so it was like harder to come by one of those. And so it was like definitely a spikier thing to have in a deck if you dropped one of those down. So the deck that I ran it in was my Atog deck because I just wanted it to be very clear from the get-go. Like, yes, this is a mana crypt, but Atog Atog is in the command zone. So, like, don't be afraid of what's going to happen here. Sure, sure. Uh, and so, it, yeah, it's kind of that idea of, like, playing because you want to see your deck and your friend's decks do cool things more so than you want to win as quickly as possible. And, like, sometimes that means, like, avoiding, or not necessarily avoiding, but, like, pulling up on the gas a little bit when you could, like, just go straight for a win so that the game can kind of develop a little more and people can feel like they have to do what they wanted to do with their decks. And then sometimes that also means uh, knowing when to take the win. Like, if someone's trying to board wipe and the game's been going for an hour and a half, like, knowing, like, okay, like, we've all kind of done 
what we're going to do here. So now's like the time to, to like go for it. So it's, it's kind of just like a, it's more of a choice in how you play than in how you build decks. Like I, I feel like a, a, a competitive deck could sit down and play a lasagna tier game. If the person piloting it knew what they were striving for. Sure. Sure. Right, right, right. And, and I think that does speak in a lot of ways to like, what a lot of people are looking for in a game of Commander. I think that's one of the reasons the power level conversation is so hard. Ben actually has had this conversation a lot with movie rankings, right? Like no one ranks a movie at a four, even though most movies are fours. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, the, the scale that you're referring to that I that I think is like the accurate scale when ranking anything is that 10 and zero are are rare numbers. Like zero has no value and 10 is like the greatest of something that you ever experience. So if it's like, if you're talking about a sandwich, I may not have a 10 once in a whole year if I eat a lot of sandwiches. Maybe I have one. The nines yeah. are going to be like the best sandwiches you have in a year. You probably have three of them or something like that. Eight mm-hmm. is a phenomenal sandwich, like an absolutely incredible sandwich. It's just you have them a little more often. So if you're talking five, five is valuable. It's just dead average, right? That's like the way mm-hmm. I like to rank anything is... I like 10 to have a distinct value and five to be a clear average, whereas seven is so often the average in people's minds that they like to use. And that comes from grades, right? Like we all went to school as at least in America with the same grade system where like anything under a 65 was a fail below a 70 is a D. And so like with that in mind, people like only really ranking things between six and 10. Then you apply that to commander where like, oh, my commander deck's a four. Like you have to have a specific opinion of yourself to drink it lowly in that way, which then makes it unhelpful. <laughs> so it's either yeah. it's either like you're being a hipster about it, which is fine. I've been a hipster about many things in my life. You're down on yourself, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm being like, I think I made this badly. Or you're going to be someone that's new. Like if you're new, you don't have a, like you're who, the people who are actually probably playing fours, right? Like or pre-cons those people don't know that they're playing a four from their perspective. Oh, yeah. oh, this is my 10. This is the best I can do. And then forcing them into the four category is always going to be like depressing <laughs> slash mean maybe. So, well, yeah. so, so let me, let me ask on that note, because I, I think this conversation has, in my opinion, two distinct uh, parts. And the first part of it is that if you are only going to play with the real cards that you own a hundred percent of the time, and it's just what you own and there's no proxies allowed, then you're talking about spacing out your powerful cards between decks unless you just have the most insane collection in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different conversation. If you're just talking about conceptually, like I'm going to build the deck that I want to build that exists with the magic cards that exist, and I'm going to put as many of those cards together, then you arbitrarily have to make that decision of like, I'm only going to put this many powerful cards in the deck because if you have access in your mind to every single magic card ever which is how I build. I don't I don't build with what I own. I just build with some of what I own and some proxies. It, then it's like specifically I'm not going to put Mana Crypt in this deck. Whereas in reality, like the CEDH community is like Mana Crypt is going to go in 100% of decks because why wouldn't it? Yeah. It's faster than your opponent. In, like, in a lasagna deck too, like the, the thing would be that not having those cards wouldn't necessarily mean you couldn't play in a pod with somebody who did build with you know anything on the table like i like i believe that a deck that has a lot of like powerful cards proxy could play alongside a deck that was just sort of built from a bunch of stuff that somebody had left over in their house or you know some slightly upgraded pre-cons like it i think some of it is just a matter of knowing like who you're playing with what they're hoping their deck can do and then what you're hoping your deck can do and what's a way to get as as many people as possible as close as possible to their like goal 
I think for me, like the big the the big distinction was a conversation that Alex and I had about I, I play this jury master of the review deck, a black red deck. And um I started to look at the deck and being like, okay, so it's like sacrificing things, it's black red. Um I I could put, you know, murderous red cap with metallic uh mimic and a sack outlet and go infinite and win the game, right? That seems like an easy mm-hmm. thing to do. These are all cards that fit into my deck. It's a sacrifice goblin, it's all very good. Um and it's black, so Vamp Tutor. So I was like, okay, I'm going to add this, and I'll also, on top of my Vamp Tutor, I'll add Imperial Seal, and I already have Demonic Tutor. And Alex was like, yeah, but don't play Imperial Seal. He was like, <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you not play Imperial Seal? And if you're going to put that in the deck, why don't you just play less tutors? Because that's not really very fun. And it's, it's a fair point. However, like in my brain, I'm like, okay, if the arms race is to win the game, this is my this is my out. This is if things don't go the way that I need them to, I can try to fish for this to still have a chance to win. And in my brain, that's the only way to play magic. I can't stand the idea that I would lose to my cards not having enough power to dig me out. And a combo digs you out. So like there's the philosophy, but how many tutors do you yeah. put in to get there? One well, and I think I think something that did help you, Ben, on uh, I think two things helped. I, I think two things were were good in helping you kind of figure this conversation out. One of them was uh, you're an entertainer and the concept of like, what is probably the most, like you play commander 99.999% that I know of, unless you're sneaking out commander games behind my back and then you're cheating on me uh, <laughs> is, is on stream, right? We're like doing it on camera. We're putting on a show and like, there's an honest conversation on like, it, it ends up that the things that people find the most fun are also probably things that are going to be the most entertaining on camera. No one wants right. like no one wants to get to the point where someone's like just jockle hopsed everyone out of the game. And we're now just like on stream for an hour as we like hope we draw two lands enough to like put a creature into play and then win or not win. Uh, no one no one in entertainment value is like really looking for the Narset combos to happen unless you're at CDH levels where like every deck is playing. 90% demonic tutors so that they can dig themselves out very quickly out, out from a Narset wheel. Like the, it's just not fun to watch from a viewership perspective because nothing's happening. You want things mm. to happen. And when you're live streaming even more so than like a game nights environment where they could edit out that dead time, you don't get to edit that out. It's live baby. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think the difference between what I'm talking about, like a three card combo that auto wins based on tutors and like the Arami deck that I was playing with like Deceiver Exarch and, and making, you know, 19 precursor golems, it's still really powerful, oppressively powerful if it gets going, but it's so much more interesting and cool and weird and and it's overwhelming, but it's also like look at all this. I look at all these wonderful, crazy things you're doing these card interactions. That's really cool to see. Rachel has a, uh, a deck that I think really kind of exemplifies the philosophy, her Feldegrift deck. Um, she has, I, I believe like one combo that goes infinite in it, but it's like a five or six piece combo that involves the card dingus staff um, that just <laughs> ends up giving people infinite hippos. And then like people like siphoning life from everybody. Uh, and it drains the table out. Uh, and it's a very hard combo to put together, and it's a very fun road to get there because, like, the deck starts by, like, giving hippos to people and things like that. Um, and so it, it, I think that is a lot of the type of philosophy. It's like there are certain card choices that you wouldn't make if you were making a competitive deck, like, you know, something like a Dingus staff that can still be really powerful when you're playing in a pod where 
people are looking for those big flourishes more than a quick win. Like if you're, if you know that nobody's going to try to combo off on turn three or four and you have that time to kind of stretch out a little bit more, there are more options of things you can, you can pull off. I think. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's, that's like a really good philosophy. It was interesting. It's interesting in the same way that like, and this is a, maybe a non sequitur, but I've the most success I've had at getting people to that are adults to like star Wars um, that like have missed Star Wars up to adulthood, right? They're like 35. They like didn't want to watch it, which like means that they're probably not going to want to watch it. And the one I've had most success on is like not attacking it in the way that you think you would, right? Like don't watch it in order. Don't watch episode one first. Don't watch a new hope first. Um, maybe watch force awakens. This was a theory created before the new movies. That movie's like very modern and easy to jump into, but like, it's attacking at a different level. Like, oh, Ben, he, this needs to be as entertaining as possible. Hey, cousin Seth, who's never watched Star Wars, watch Empire Strikes Back first. You don't have to watch another single one of them. Start with this random one. It's the best one. You're watching the best one. So from this point on, if you don't like it, you're not going to like it. But there's one movie. You don't know. You no longer have to watch 17 movies to be able to under. That's not the endeavor I'm putting you on. I'm putting you on a two hour yeah. experience. And in Commander. Figuring out the entree of like don't don't build the most powerful thing. Build something that that like and like how do you, how do you explain that? And I think lasagna tier as almost a concept helps get that across. I think for newer players, that is like the it's almost like a commercial for the format where it's like this. You know, you watch a game where you know every single deck gets a shot at winning, and sure, only one deck gets to go home with it, but like. There are, we all have had those games in Commander where your deck does exactly what you wanted it to and you don't even take home the win, but you still feel like, like hell yeah, like that did exactly what I was what I designed it to do. And the fact that I didn't win is like secondary to the fact that like this machine is running as programmed, which is like just a very fun feeling. Well, I think another thing when you talk about lasagna tier, it's so again we'll compare it to cdh because that is i'm I'm, my understanding is cdh is the top of the top in terms of power level and commander right there's nothing there's nothing more powerful than what people are doing in cdh i I think its definition is that right so it's a self-fulfilling prop i don't know which is first the egg or the chicken but yes so it's kind of that thing (laughs) when with your card pool is so wide and so vast every single card in your deck will be a good card if you're playing a cdh deck it it all they all will be good and if they're not all good they will all be uniquely uh, suited towards winning with that strategy. Like they'll be the best version of the mathematically refined concept of that strategy. And that's what that deck will be. If you're building a lasagna tier deck, I think not every card necessarily has to be a good card. There's you have the freedom to put cards in your deck that are just fine, but they're very cool with what you're doing. And they're powerful enough. Like, like, um, I can't think what it is right offhand. It's a two drop from like beyond death. That's like blood March aspirant or something. It's the same thing as jury. It gets a counter whenever a permanent is sacrificed, but it doesn't have jury's other texts. That card's not that powerful. <laughs> it just isn't yeah. that powerful. Wily goblin is in my deck because it's just a creature that I can sacrifice that also makes another permanent that furthers my plan that I can sacrifice that permanent for mana that helps jury, but it's kind of a weak card but in my mind it's cute enough and it's fun enough that i'm willing to put it in the deck and i like the interaction between my commander and those cards enough that i can like talk myself into keeping them in there and to me if i was playing in the model of like cdh i wouldn't be able to convince myself to do that that doesn't that doesn't make any sense those cards aren't powerful enough yeah well because like tier wise i I think like any deck that's not fully optimized like wouldn't you would sit down in a cdh pod and they'd say that's not a cdh deck 
Whereas with this, it's like you can, you know, like I run Baron Glory in that Atog deck. That was like one of the main win cons was just to wipe out my own entire board and win with Baron Glory. Uh, you can't do that, obviously, in a very competitive pod. And so like when you know that that's the type of stuff that people are doing, like like when you're when you have to optimize everything, so many cards are off the table. So many fun gameplay possibilities will never see the light of day simply because there's a marginally better choice out there or a much, much better choice. <laughs> like, like the, you know, something that's not marginally better, it's leaps and bounds better. And so like having all those cards be off the table from the start can be uh, almost sad because like part of the fun of EDH is that that pool is, you know, at this point, so, so massive uh, that you, you want to see cards you've never seen before. You want to see, you know somebody else at the table say like wait how does that interaction work and then once you explain it to them they go like oh that rules like that's the best experience in in the game i think one of them at least i also think to that end like if we so we, we talked about the highest end of power and what's above but then if you want to talk about what's below lasagna tier i think it's the idea that you have to sort of win the game very slowly or very fairly and I think what I look for yeah. when I'm building decks, you know, I'm just building them to be creative, is I'm looking for card interactions that I think are clever and still win the game out of nowhere, but they are doing it in a way that I don't think other people would see coming. Like a great example, again, in the jury deck is I have I, I have Tainted Strike in the deck. I love the idea of playing Tainted Strike in the jury <laughs> deck. Because, too. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a cool idea that I would have this... I would have this giant jury that's just sitting out there and then like for one black in response to something else happening, I'll be able to give my thing infect when it dies and just kill someone, right? It's really powerful. That's an out of nowhere win, but it's not so powerful that like the counter spell is not going to change it from happening or that, you know what I mean? There's enough ways to get around it. Any interaction spell over invented stops that card. Yeah, it's just janky. It's yeah. super, Removal super spell, janky. Counterspell, right. I run it in a, um, I mean, a great example of like kind of pulling a play a little bit because of like, you know, the agreed upon tier. I have a, it's like a very Vorthos, like lore heavy, like thematic Doran Infect deck where the idea is just like, it's like a big, bright, sunshiny, tree folk toughness matters deck. Uh, that then has Phyrexian oil all over it. And so the idea is that all these tree folk have been destroyed and completed by Phyrexians <laughs> and now have infects. So and that's so, like, what's infect- happened to Lorwyn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where Lorwyn's <laughs> been all this time. And so, like, obviously, infect-, infect can be, like, a bit of a feel-bad. Like, one time in an opening hand, I had the three lands I was going to need to get Doran out, a Fire Shrieker, and Tainted Strike. So I was like, I have lethal on somebody <laughs> like very very quickly like so i like i need to i needed to like consciously understand like oh like we all agreed to play a particular game here and that game does not involve me using the infect deck that i swore was thematic and not ruthless to kill somebody on turn three just because i drew the perfect hand to do so and so i like waited and then still ended up winning with that tainted strike but like five or six turns later when everyone's like board state had developed and it felt more like it felt more earned by the end of the game. Just a question for you guys both. Like, so what you just talked about is that you had the things in your opening hand that were like kind of oppressively powerful. Like you could have, you could have done something really unfair and unfun and taken someone out right away. And then the game would have gone on and that person just wouldn't have been playing. And if your Mm -hmm. purpose was to win the game, reducing one of your opponents with a single interaction is a totally good way to win. That's a great way. You make less people on the board. 
but you know, like it isn't fun. So you chose to play differently where, and that's what it really asks. The question is what's the purpose? Well, if you're playing like a lasagna tier game, what's the purpose? Is the purpose to win or is the purpose to have fun and be the last one standing? Just the I same think the thing purpose is to, to have that good time, like to have as many people as possible at that table feel like they had fun. Cause like, obviously the winner always has a pretty good time unless everybody like gets really mad at them for winning. Um, but like, you know, usually winning feels pretty good. But they'll have a good time until we take them out back and uh, yeah, take exactly. out their then it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> then it's all off the books. But it's like, I, I, I think if everybody feels like they had an equal shot at the game and just the, that they felt like they got to be part of it. Like there's, it's not fun to be the first person eliminated from a four person pod. It's not fun, especially if that happens 20 minutes in and then you have to sit around for like another half hour to an hour while the game wraps up because like killing you became the main focus or something like it's it's never you, you want to play we build the decks we get together with our friends because we want to play the game and so the idea behind it is just making sure that even though eventually there always comes a time where you have to start eliminating people like games do have to end but that it's done in a way that isn't just in the name of like a victory so it's not like oh my friend is mana screwed so i'm gonna take him out because his board state's wide open it's like why not then go for somebody who's board it's kind of like a pick on somebody your own size type thing and i think i think there's also it's an interesting conversation about combos because there's two types of combos in the game of commander right there's the combo that kills one player uh tainted strike or there's Mm -hmm. the combo that kills everybody and then there's kind of when to use that combo i guess is the third the third question and I think that something that people make mistakes going into lasagna tier magic that like ends up with it being in the other direction of bad is or not like lasagna tier but casual magic is like not having win conditions. And like mm-hmm. I, I make this mistake sometimes where I'm like, oh, I'm like going to make it bad because I'm just not going to include Thassa's Oracle. But then I like will take a 20 minute turn, draw my whole deck and be like, oh, wait, I don't have a way to win. So I've now wasted everyone's time <laughs> right, um, yeah. like accidentally or like and then and then to kind of what what was just being discussed, which was like tainted strike versus like the worst thing you could do for someone's fun is to kill them first, but then not have a way to kill everyone else. Rachel and I have like thought about this a little bit before because we have very different perspectives on it. Cause Rachel's like a very experienced player and has been playing for a good bit longer than I have. And I've really only been back in the game for about two years now. So I'm like just starting to feel like my like deck building ability has gotten to the point where things can be very ruthless. And like that I'm, I'm making my decks more casual as a choice as opposed to just because of the limitations of my own ability to deck build. Um, And so my perspective tends to be that like a big part of lasagna tier is making sure to like make space for players whose decks aren't 100% going off the way they want to. But then Rachel tends to like remind me of the other half of things, which is like what happens when somebody tries to go, you know, for a board wipe in the game's been going for an hour and a half and you know, they probably don't have a way to win. Like, you know, because that that's also not a very lasagna tier move. Like if you don't if the game's been going on and someone's trying to win and you're going to counter their win con, but you have nothing left of your own, like then what, what let's is the reshuffle purpose? and start something new? Yeah, exactly. Like there's no purpose in drawing out that game any longer if everyone has kind of done everything they can and all you have left is like filibustering. Basically, it's like it's like a very water bendy like experience within magic of like knowing when is the best time based on the energy of the game you're playing to strike and murder everyone so that everyone has the maximum amount of fun. And like, obviously getting that perfect moment is just never going to happen. Cause, yeah. but like it, it, striving for that is maybe the, the, the goal. 
like if if CDH and things like that are like are more like sports where it's like there is a winner, there is a loser, and the goal is to win, you know, as decisively. As, yeah, and not be the loser. Then lasagna to your magic is more like D and D, where it's like we are all working together to build this thing, and we're trying to make it fun and mutually enjoyable for all of us. And like, you know, in a D and D session, like somebody kills the monster eventually, like usually like there, there are moments of, of victory in, in D and D that can't necessarily be shared between everyone, but you want it to feel like when it ends, when it wraps up that you all contributed to it together. You want to feel like you brought something to the table. Right. Well, I think it's funny because Alex, when you and I first started arguing about EDH on the show, Mm-hmm. years ago i played edh like you know back in like 2007 or something like that a bunch you know like back when it was just getting popular or probably earlier than that but what, around that time and but when you and i would argue about it what my what i always i always would say to you it's a different game it's not you're not playing the same game of magic there a lot of the mechanics are the same and like certainly like you can you can approach combat steps and things like that the same way but it is a different game. It's not, you're not mm-hmm. really playing it the same way. The goal is different. The interaction is different. Even the scalability of the cards, the way that most of them were created, they're created for a different type of magic. They're created for that 1v1. And even though they print cards now for Commander, there's still such a small com- amount of them compared to the rest of the game's history. And what I've really learned is that even though it's a different game, um, it still has, it, it still functions the same way. It's just the balance of the mechanics feel different while you're doing them. So you used the example to me the other day when you were talking about a friend Austin that you used to play with, and he would sandbag lands. Uh, he would sandbag lands early on so that like he, he would look like he was mana screwed. Yeah, and you would, uh, and you'd take it easy on him, and then he'd start hitting his land drops after missing two in a row or something like that. So everybody would think that he was behind when in reality he was just making sure that people didn't go after him. And I thought that was so interesting because like strategically, that's not really so different than like sideboarding in a specific way in game two. If you're yeah. playing in a you know, like you use you have a strategy and you're playing it in a certain way. The one thing about it that's different and where I do believe it is a different game is exactly what you're talking about just a minute ago, Dan, about you would specifically not go for the powerful move because you want everybody's experience to be the most enjoyable. And that's why people in EDH will do things like kill you just before you kill someone else just for the fun of it or counter your spell just because they want it to be more interesting yeah. because it just makes the game feel a little bit more communal. And that's why it is truly a different game. It is, you call it a version of magic, the gathering, but it doesn't function the same way that any competitive version of magic. It doesn't even function the same way that CEDH yeah. does. Be, it, especially because yeah, like the multiplayer aspect of it. And then, yeah, when you remove the competitive aspect, it, it truly, truly is a different game. I, I think in so many ways, um, yeah, and, and and something that something that like you mentioned CDH and, and the deck building requirements of like having to pick the very best card for every card. And it's kind of the thing that now that we've played a bunch of it, uh I like was starting to like, oh, I don't want to do CDH every month. <laughs> uh or like more than twice a month or more than once a month. And it was kind of just like your card choices are really limited. Like everything you're playing feels very samey. And like when I'm trying to play Commander, the goal of this is to have variety, right? I want every experience to be unique and different. And when I was like every game I'm playing is fascinating and it's really cool to figure out the puzzle. And it's really cool that it's like a game state where people then have conversations, multiple turns on like, okay, everyone, what is the optimal way we can play here? But also manipulating you (laughs) Uh, is like fascinating and really fun. But on the same hand, like 99 of the cards of the deck are just basically decided ahead. Like, like I couldn't brew in CDH 
without years, a year of like really, really, really actively trying to figure out every part of the metagame versus Commander, which like modern kind of feels in what modern was, right? Where you can kind of come up with cool ideas. You can do new stuff in the format and, and Commander always allows you to create something new and or invent something. And that's something that CDH kind of always feels like it's lacking. Like there's a metagame and you have to fall within the metagame. Yeah. Commander, Lasagna Tier um, doesn't necessarily have that as much of a feature. And, and it's going to be interesting too, because because I think we are running a little bit low on time, so I don't uh, want to delve too in here, but I think in, in, in a couple of weeks we'll also have uh, Mike from the uh, Commander's Arena YouTube channel on to talk about what he's now working on, which is basically lasagna tier meets CDH, because I think that's also another thing that uh, is going to be really interesting. And I wanted to touch upon it a little bit today, but I, I just think we're running out a little bit low on time um, just because we've been having a great conversation. <laughs> um, and so, and I want to get kind of some of your, your final thoughts, Dan, on just like the subject matter at large. And then, and then we'll, we'll kind of move into shout outs and wrap ups and, and, and get to the next part of the world, which is saying goodbye. But before that, uh, make sure to check out Patreon. It's we want to do the five episodes a day, and we need your help. And you get the full raw feed, and it's all video now. And there's an extra ten minutes. And now, Dan, what's up? Um, well, I guess my, my like final thoughts on it would be just that I, I do believe it's something that's possible to do at every power level. And I was like, uh, it was exciting to see people from the CEDH world getting excited about it, because to me, what it showed was that even at that higher level of power, even at that like much more like fast paced, powerful level of play, like that there was still that desire to put more self uh, expression into decks and that desire to like focus more on the communal experience. And so I'm like personally super glad that people in the like, like looking for that powerful just below CEDH lasagna tier, like have something that they can play. Uh, but I also just think it it's, it's uh it's more of a gameplay philosophy than it is like a tier of power. It's just, a way of expressing what you want from the game and like how you hope to achieve that. And like, I hope that, you know, in my dream world for like the tier and the way that people perceive it is that it becomes a shorthand for just like, this is the type of magic I play. Uh, so like your weirdest deck can feel safe playing against my deck. And like, even if they're not matched up perfectly power level wise, like I I'm with you and I'm trying to like, make sure that this is a fun game for both of us. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I really like the what I like about the idea of lasagna magic or just like the content behind it is is that the rating system is flawed. And we kind of talked about it today where it's a double edged sword, right? Like on one hand, I think there needs to be a, a way, an already predecided way to have a conversation ahead of time on what style of commander you're going to be playing. Um, I think that like relying on mm-hmm. especially in a world where people are going to card stores or command fests or are playing on command fests online and through spell table and discords where you're playing against people you don't know or there's pods being assigned at your local game store and you don't have only your like best friends or who you're playing magic with which is true for a lot like for us it's it happened you know that's more often how I'm playing commander than just like only with the same three friends and like in that world expecting strangers to like have a heart to heart conversation before every game on like, Oh, well I like don't want to play wheels, but I do like fast mana, but I don't like tutors. Like it's, it's, right. it's asking a lot from a, not only from a reg- like people, but also add the whole layer that there is a chunk of the magic community that communication is not their best strength. <laughs> They're extremely intelligent, but getting words across is not always is, is something that uh, is, is expected. And so, so and think- finding established ways to 
communicate that aren't necessarily then leaning on the ranking systems, which we discussed as flawed because no one can self-regulate their own deck because everyone went to school and giving yourself lower than a C grade on anything sucks. Yeah, I think I think one through ten leaves a lot to be desired. And like I definitely don't think we can ever get to a point where there's like a completely bespoke commander experience where it's like, oh well, I don't like this one specific type of win con, so can you please not play that? More so than just the idea that like you're not gonna have to worry about, say, like a deck that locks you out of casting spells turn two or something like that. Um that like that an emphasis on fun at least means like this deck will let you play your deck and like i'm still going to try to win but i'm not going to try to win in a way that prevents you from doing the things your deck came here to do i mean one of the things that people talk about and i've had this conversation with many magic players that if you ask a magic player and this is not see this is not commander related but just when you play against the deck what is the most frustrating like play style what is the most frustrating strategy to play against and you know the, the easy options that always come up are the the like draw go counterspell deck which is a really frustrating deck to play against where it's just like mono blue and they have all the counterspells land destruction which is also extremely yep. annoying hand disruption which can be really 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 annoying but like there's probably four or five strategies like this that are just I hate doing that. And I, I found that I complained so much playing against a lot of these strategies that eventually I had to just say to myself, like, you're just talking about like all of the powerful things that the colors and magic do. So fast mana <laughs> probably being another one of them. And if you really want to not be so pissed off about it, you have to just figure out a way to not lose to all of those things. You just have to, you, you have to be more proactive or you, your deck has mm-hmm. to not shrink to one disruption spell or you need to play more lands, like whatever it is. And I think it's kind of the same thing with commander. Like we played with BDM on one of our streams recently and, he came in and, and the game was super fun, but beforehand he was like, yeah, I just want the power level to be at like this level. And his deck ended up being insanely powerful and crushed me. I think I, I seem to remember. I, I don't remember when this was, but he, like it, once the engine got going, his deck was like unstoppably good. And I was yeah. just like, the power of what you're doing is like insane. It's not just like a mana crypt into something else really good on turn three, but like, you baited me into playing cards that weren't as powerful so that you could like sledgehammer me with your really powerful cards that just developed a little slower. And uh, it's just funny because I think the idea of of doing the slow developing, extremely powerful thing is a more comfortable notion for so many people when when an Armageddon or just countering all the things or playing stacks or whatever it is, people like frown upon those things because they seem like they're cheaper, they're easier or something. I think there's some, some part of it is also just like inherently to like the mechanics of commander by being a multiplayer format. And by that, I mean like I have three turns before it's my turn. And so because of that, if, if you're turn, if you're the first player and you're no longer negative affected, right, you, you get to draw a card on your first turn. So if you're player one, by the time I get my second turn as player four, you've taken two of your turns and there's been seven turns since, since my last turn. And, and because of that, you can combo on turn two and I could have played one land and like not drawn a card. And like, because Mm -hmm. of, because of that, the like slow development process, I think is something that people are a little bit more interested in because there's just so much of a weighted, and 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 add the layer that like a counterspell is worse in commander because I'm one for threeing myself every time I use one. They're still powerful because right. they are. Right. I stop the thing, but they are less good because it's not one v one. I'm stopping your one thing with my one thing. I'm stopping your one thing against two other players' things. And the same way, force of will is good, even though you're losing two cards to stop their one thing. They could be good in commander, but it still is a card disadvantage. And um, 
And so it's just kind of balancing that with the casual side of things. And I think I think if I were to answer your question, which I'd like actually to hear Dan's answer to, in Commander, what is your least favorite thing to play against? And I think at this point, it's mass discard. And specifically more in like the eye wheel, basically the Hall Breacher, Narset, like that world. When that happens, I'm always just like, <sighs> I no longer get to do anything. And... I'm no longer able to try and be able to do something like I'm no like it's not even a like it's like a lock of like Leovold is I'm so glad Leovold was banned like that card sucked. <laughs> What's your least favorite thing to face? Um, I think for me, it's always been like stacks and tax decks. Um, anything that makes it so it's like, you know, all my lands come into play tapped or all my creature, you know, like you can only cast one spell per turn or just anything that makes it so that I. I have my deck, but I don't have the ability to play it. Uh, or like the board state can't be interacted with in any sort of meaningful way. Uh, feeling locked out is just not fun. It's just there's so much potential energy there and you never get to do anything. Um, and then at a certain point, especially like in a in a really good oppressive stacks deck, it sort of just feels like three people watching one person play solitaire. Um, and that can get uh, pretty, pretty rough. I, so I think that's that's my personal pet peeve. I've seen it done in ways that, don't bother me as much but like the you know typically falls in azorius and things like that um just those those more aggressive stacks decks i think are ben uh, what is your least favorite way now that you've played for six months uh what what are the things that have been done to you that was your least favorite uh in commander probably it's um i mean the experiences that i've had that i've found the, the most annoying are the ones where i feel like there's like some difficult to get around like thing that foils my deck like it just like screws my deck like turning really? your commander into a forest i mean that was like really obnoxious right and, and what it made me realize what it made me realize is that like that deck can't really function without its commander it's just a really boring deck to play if the commander's yeah. not working so then you you having like a clever way to take out my commander that blue black just doesn't do very well dealing with. I was just like, this is really unfun. I don't want to like hit my land drops and like cast six drop creatures. And it's just going to be it's going to be worse than everything you guys are doing. That's pr- I mean, I don't think I have a specific thing that I dislike. But if you were going to ask me what is the element of commander that I so far have found that I dislike the most, it's how long it takes for it to be your turn again when your deck's not working. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the single thing that if I was able to like it's the only thing that when I'm playing games of commander that I check out and I just am like, why am I doing this? This is taking me like two hours to not do anything. I'm just sitting here waiting to draw a card, hoping that I can play this thing in my hand. But because of that dumb planeswalker or that stupid, like thing that is like, I can't search my library or my graveyard's gone or whatever it is. Like, even if I draw my thing, I'm still not going to be able to do anything. And it's when you yeah, start to fall behind. Way, other people's board states can really start to feel like nails on a chalkboard, no matter what they yeah. are. Where it's just like, like, oh, your thing's working, but mine's not. Like, and especially when everyone's in like the five minute turn territory, like as a game's starting to really kick into high gear. If you're still at the point of just like draw, not what I needed, pass. Yeah, like, like, everyone just took a 15 minute turn. It took 20 minutes to get to me, and I played a land and drew a so card. So I could draw a card. Well, because think about it, right? If we talk about the comparison of multiplayer magic to 1v1 magic, the actual resources that you start the game with, it's bad enough to get mana screwed against one person. That's already the worst part of magic is getting mana screwed or mana flooded. Getting mana screwed or mana flooded against three people, they would never have designed the game that way if playing with four people was going to be the way magic was done because they would have just been like anytime anyone ever gets mana screwed and it takes 15 minutes for their turn they'll just quit playing magic the next day there's no way they'd ever go back to that they right. only yeah. it only got introduced later on as something that you would do that you accepted because it's just part of the game 
that's that's inherently the issue with mana screw and mana flood. So I don't think I'm alone there. I have to think that that's a pretty common feeling, but it's definitely one that uh, that, that that bums me out. That'll um, be like probably the number one thing. And like Wizards has put a lot of work right to like see if they can avoid those situations from happening. Right, the the new Mulligan yeah. rule. Plus, like now, pretty much Commander players just like Mulligan until you draw the cards you need. Uh, like don't like you going down to five is not worth anyone's time. Oh, in casual pods, that's how it always tends to go. Yeah, you just kind of draw until you get a hand that seems fun. So. Dan, where can people find you? Uh, where Where is the best place to to, to hear more oh, content like this? If you're looking for the podcast, uh, Command Sphere comes out every Monday. You can find us on Twitter at Command Sphere. Uh, that, that handle, Command Sphere, is for Instagram. It's for Twitch. We stream on the uh, first and third uh, Tuesday of every month. Yeah, so every Monday, me and Rachel Weeks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at It's Dan Sheehan, and you can find Rachel on Twitter at, at Rachel Reeks. Cool, 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 cool. And you can follow us. I'm at Kess Wiley on everything. Uh, we also do Commander live streams every Monday at 7.30, which uh, I believe we are you will be on our commander stream leading up to these episodes coming out. So either uh, if you're w- watching this on Monday morning, depending on when it comes out, make sure to check out the commander stream tonight. Dan will be there and we'll be playing some lasagna magic or yeah. uh, that will live as a VOD on the YouTube channel as well. So you can check out that game. It's on the channel as we speak. Um, and we do commander content every Monday. So 7:30 PM PST uh, live stream on Kess Wiley, twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley. Plus, I'm on Twitter. Follow me there. I have takes generally. It's about creating a positive chaos in the world. I stumble into goodwill, hopefully. Uh, and Ben, where can people find you? You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Ben Bateman Streaming on Twitch. And thank you guys so much for watching what we're doing. As Alex mentioned, we have uh, Patreon stuff that we are uh, talking about. But the key is that if you guys want to keep supporting what we do here, um, you know, it's getting harder and harder for us to do. So please go to patreon.com slash the MMcast and support it. It uh, it definitely goes a long, long way towards well, making yeah, this thing happen. If you like the kind of the bite chunk versions of the episodes, think about this episode. We did a did a top three cards that Dan's excited about coming out. We had an entire conversation about lasagna magic. Then we had this whole conversation about white. And those could have been three different videos, but now they're going to be one video. But if you guys really help and want to check out our patron, uh, we thought it was really cool. It definitely, I think, was, was something that everyone really appreciated. We just, it's expensive. Uh, it, it puts a lot of work on Marshall it becomes uh, much more of a day-to-day thing that he has to help manage so uh, if we can raise some funds on our patron that's really appreciated and if you do that uh, you do get access access to the video format of the raw feed which includes 10 minutes of bonus content at the very beginning so you don't even have to like if you want to watch that 10 minutes of bonus content and then like wait until it's edited on the YouTube channel you could do that so that's that's one of the cool perks you get if you're a patron and uh, we're also open to hearing other things that you would maybe want but that would be really really exciting and helpful Um, please and that is that is all thank you so much dan thanks for coming on oh thank you this is a blast this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future